This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods. Designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Good morning, Canada. Welcome inside another Monday edition of GTC. Hope you all had a great weekend. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Sacchino will join at the top of hour two as his Florida adventure continues. He was on the coverage for PGA Tour Live, TSN Plus, here in Canada for the Honda Classic this past week. He posted a couple selfies too, Bob, uh, him with uh, Christina Kim. So we're going to have to ask him all about those selfies. I believe there was some face paint involved too. Very curious about that, but we'll talk to Mark all about that in hour two. But first of all, Bob, you were just in Banff. Uh, how are you? Welcome back. And have you warmed up yet? Yeah, I thought out a little bit. We had some cool temperatures in Banff for curling day in Canada, which was um, my stage was outside. So we sat outside for the broadcast, which I think went pretty well. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better backdrop, and they had a big festival going on in town, and uh, lots of activities and activations are surrounding curling and giving people a try, uh, attempt to curling. Curling has a, I know people think of Banff, they think it's probably skiing more or hiking, uh, but they've, they've curled in Banff since 1888, so it's, uh, it's got a long history of curling as well, and, um, and they have an amazing curling club that's got windows all down one side, and you can actually curl and look out at the Rocky Mountains as you're playing, so... Uh, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool facility, and uh, the temperature was cool. We were minus 30 when we arrived, and I think the day of the broadcast, it was right around minus 20, so lots of bundling up, but uh, warm up now, and uh, we'll get warmed up next week when we go down to the Players' Championship, and this week, we got a great event on as well. That's right. You're, you're certainly right about that, and uh, you know, kudos. It was a great broadcast. I, I got to catch a lot of it. I was uh, in the shop working on Saturday nights and working uh, hosting sports center. And so I got to watch a lot of the curling day in Canada coverage. It was pretty great. Now, did you actually get to curl yourself? Did you have to throw any rocks during any shooting, any time off? Do you have to, you know, deliver a nice draw or take out yourself? <laughs> I didn't actually, you know, and I was kind of kicking myself that I didn't take my shoes with me to Banff to throw a few rocks, but um, no, I did not curl except for the street curling, which was, uh, which was fun. Uh, we talked to some really good curlers like John Morris, you know, he's got three gold medals and or a couple of gold medals and three briars mm -hmm. or something like that. And they actually had the briar tankard, which is like curling's version of the Stanley Cup, just sitting out in the, on a table in the middle of the street. It was amazing. People came up and had their pictures taken with it. And uh, it, was, it was a fun day. But um, but now it's back to focus on this, on the on the golf, because we're getting into some pretty meaty bond, bond, bond spiels, <laughs> pretty meaty uh, events coming up here over the next uh, month or so. Yeah, that's right. And tons of golf to get to. We are going to recap the Honda Classic, which was a great finish down the stretch. Chris Kirk and Eric Cole battling down the stretch. We're also going to hear from Canadian Nick Taylor. Bobby recently had a chance to catch up with Nick, all about his experience at the WM Phoenix Open coming up just short. And what's to come for him on a personal side of things, because uh, him and his wife are set to uh, announce a, a, another child, another member of the family joining them uh, shortly. Of course, we'll have winners, weird and what leaderboard updates. We'll have an update on 20 weeks of TaylorMade. So much to get to. But first, let's hit some news and headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. 
Sandbagger. Everybody knows one. Well, let's start off with Brooke Henderson, who made her second start of the LPGA season this past week in Thailand. And obviously, you know, she won her first start of the year. We can't expect her to win every time she goes out, especially, Bob, because... Yes, we can. Yes, we golf can. Club, yes, we can. <laughs> but her golf clubs didn't quite make it all the way to Thailand. Am I correct saying that? They didn't make it in for the first round. Anyway, she um, was using some rentals, I guess, or uh, some set provided by the course. And they had, I guess, a, a, a similar set of clubs to what she normally plays, but not exactly by any means. And you know how she likes to use that long, elongated clubs of choke down on things. So I think that was a little different. Uh, still, you know, when, when you, when you, I think she got her clubs for the second round, so she came back. But all in all, she wasn't too bad. She had a uh, first round. What was her score in the first round here? It was. Uh, she was four under in the see, first round. First round, I've got it called up here. Yeah, she shot sixty nine. Shot three under with it, with the rental clubs. She had some uh, other rounds that were a little worse than that. So seventy three and a seventy. So, I think I think players. This happens more often than you think. Not so much on the PGA Tour. Or, because they have the ability to create a new set for you right there. But in some of the other tours, smaller tours, I remember the Prince Edward Island uh, Canadian Tour stop last year, PJ Tour Canada stop last year, where basically a third of the field didn't have their, their equipment. They uh, put a call out for members to try and bring their clubs around. And, and guys put together some pretty good scores. So I think you can compensate if you really have to. You don't think you'd want to do it for the entire season. Uh, but Brooke did it for one round, got through it, and, uh, and finished up sort of middle of the pack, I guess, or top third of the pack on her second LPGA Tour start of the season. Yeah, that's right. And uh, she'll be back in action uh, this week. The LPGA Tour is in Singapore. And we'll have uh, we'll have much more on Brooke uh, for our Wednesday show, too, because, of course, we are on uh, Wednesday at 10 a.m. as well. Brooke Henderson making her third start of the season this coming week. First in our first uh, appearance at the Tournament Champions, T44, this past week in Thailand and of course a lot of our focus the past couple of years now has been on the PGA Tour of course everything going on but as they spoke about in full swing the Netflix doc uh, disruption and that's where Liv comes into play and Liv had its first event this past week in Mayakoba where of course the PGA Tour held an event for 16 years most recently this past November and Charles Howell III goes on and gets the victory. And Bob, this is a guy who was basically a, a human ATM machine on the PGA Tour, despite not winning all that much. He was a very consistent player. But for Liv, I mean, I'm sure Greg Norman was hoping for a Cam Smith, a Dustin Johnson, a higher profiled name to go on and win this week wouldn't wouldn't you think instead of someone like Howell going on and getting the victory well I think you uh you understand that uh, you, can, you know you'd love to have sort of certainly you know a great story to lead off the season with Phil Mickelson or maybe Dustin Johnson as you said or Cam Smith one of those players but I think the the um the team aspect is almost as big for, for Norman as the individual winner. So I think they're focused a little bit on that. And of course, Charles Howell's team, the Crushers, won both titles. So he wins the individual, he wins the team title. That uh, group included um, Charles Howell, Paul Casey, Bryson DeChambeau, and um, Anurban Lahiri, I believe. Is mm -hmm. that right? I mm -hmm. think that's right. Yep. And so, so I think, you know, they're off, they're running. 
Um, they had a good week to pick their opening event going against a non-designated event on the PGA Tour. I watched like five minutes of it in the hotel room. I found it on Game TV. My hotel room had Game TV, believe it or not, in Banff. <laughs> I watched a little bit of it in there. It wasn't the broadcast. I didn't find was all that enthralling, but they, um, you know, it was Peter Uline and uh, Peter Uline and Charles Howell kind of battling it out Saturday and Sunday and for a little bit. And I, I, I don't know. It just wasn't as you said. It didn't really get me all that excited. Now I liked, you know, you you can argue that the PGA Tours events. You don't have to compare them, but the PGA Tour events were um, a little bit. Filled with you know like a not a big name field, but you had two great stories in Eric Cole and uh, and Chris Kirk, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. Live lives off and running. We'll see what they do with their next one. And like as you said, as we've talked about so many times, they've got to find. Live has to find a way to make it make the the fan, the viewer, the media personality covering it care about the actual golf. Right. Because, you know, we get it that these guys are making an egregious sum of money like Charles Howell, the third from his three combined PGA Tour wins, won two point seven five million. And yesterday he won four point seven five combined with the individual and the team. Liv has to find a way to, you know, try to, you know, make these storylines more about the golf. And like one thing that I have to give him the credit for is that uh, during Sunday's final round, a lot of the teams had matching uniforms on. For the most part, which is which is something you know they are a part of a team, right? And obviously, you know Dustin Johnson, Sergio Garcia had a, you know an apparel with Adidas, and that appears to no longer be a thing anymore. So now they're wearing more matching apparel. Something too, Bob, about seeing shorts in professional golf—it's just it hasn't warmed up to me just yet. I don't know. I mean, a lot of the guys were wearing shorts because I'm sure it was very warm in in Mexico and Mayacoba, and even to the. The, the end celebrations where they had you know ten bottles of champagne out there the big stage it seemed like the they were pumping crowd noise into on the telecast that that might just be me watching it but it seemed that way anyway but I mean it's different it takes a bit of a different perspective to watch it I guess but I mean like you said they have Liv has to find a way to make the golf matter more than just the money. Agreed. I, I can tell you exactly the last couple of shots on the PGA Tour this week because it was a dramatic finish with, with Chris Kirk hitting his tee shot into there, his, hitting his second shot into the water on the last hole, having to go to the playoff. Uh, Eric Cole just lipping out his, his attempt at the birdie on to force an extra hole. I know those things. I, I don't even know what Chris Kirk won. I think it's like $1.5 or $1.1 or something along those lines. But I do know what Charles Howell won. As you said, because those stats were in everybody's tweet and everybody's on, you know, stories. And again, as I, as you pointed out, and I said it, I've said it a million times now. You know, you've got to start walk, wanting to watch live for the golf rather than for the purse. That's right, and um, you know, lives back in a couple of weeks too, and. You know, the Honda Classic, sure, it didn't have the strongest of fields given what we've seen with the designated events in the past. But like you mentioned, some great stories. We're going to discuss Chris Kirk and Eric Cole's battle down the stretch. That's coming up in our next segment. We'll hear from both of those guys. But somewhere where there is a really good field, Bob, happening right now, is that the Seminole Pro, Pro member where, you know, we got 12 of the top 20 ranked players in the world. 
which is pretty, you know, wild. You know, John Rahm's there, Rory's there, Tony Finau's there. Oh, Tom Brady's there too. Not that he's the top golfer in the world now, but he's retired. He can golf a lot more now. This I always love this Monday on our calendar when we're live talking about this because you know, like th this field is incredible. It includes three Canadians too. That's right. The Seminole is Seminole Golf Club is one of the kind of elite golf clubs in North America, certainly in the United States. It has a membership of the who's who of the corporate world, and they can afford to bring their uh, players in for a little little day at, uh, at a beautiful golf course. I've only seen it from the outside, but it looks pretty good. We saw it the, during COVID. They had a tournament on there. That's right. So it's, uh, it has a record of having a lot of these pro members, and, uh, and there is PGA Tour depth on this one. Like most many tournaments would kill to have this kind of a field of PGA Tour pros. And I saw the Canadians listed in there. There's some good names. I think Corey and Taylor and who's the third? I missed the third. Gligic. And Gligic. Okay, so yeah. they're, all, they're all out there playing and I'm sure getting a little uh, stipend for showing up as well. But you're right. It's, it's, uh, it's the one member guest event of the year that, that trumps most PGA Tour events. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and if there's a live leaderboard, uh, we'll update uh, that at the, at the end of our show. But uh, yeah, a great field that were this happening right now at Seminole and a great field this week at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Love much more on the designated event this week. And of course, the Players' Championship, many call it the fifth major. That's coming up next week, too. But coming up on the other side, we're going to take a look back at the wild finish at the Honda Classic. Chris Kirk getting it done in a playoff over Eric Cole. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods. Designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Caddy Time the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to find affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. Well, it was 2,836 days between victories for Chris Kirk, who gets it done at the Honda Classic. Welcome back inside GTC. Scully and Weeks here. Zakino joining us at the top of our two. Chris Kirk gets it done at the Honda Classic. His pre-tournament odds were around 30 to 1. He gets it done. He had a good start to the season with a pair of top 10s. Unfortunately, Bob, we didn't have him on our TSN Edge picks. I'm not sure if, if you had him on your pick six in the other article you write. No? Okay. Okay. Well, I was, I was cautiously optimistic. Shut out this week. Okay, we were shut out. I was cautiously optimistic that you picked him on that or any of the other 12 radio hits you do a week to say we, we had him, <laughs> but, we, but we, we didn't. Anyway, so Chris Kirk uh, gets it done. Uh, a pretty remarkable victory, especially with how it, it went down in uh, the 72nd hole in regulation and then the way he got it done in the playoff. Before we discuss Chris Kirk and the victory, let's hear from Chris Kirk moments after getting that victory. I can't yet. Um, I just, I just have so much to be thankful for. I'm so, I'm so grateful. Um, I'm so grateful for my sobriety. I'm so grateful for my family. I'm so grateful for everyone that supported me uh, throughout the past three or four years, especially. Um, thank you so much 
my wife, Tani, I mean, I have not been the easiest person to be married to always. Um, and my boy, Sawyer Foster Wilder. Uh, I love you guys so much. I uh, can't wait to see you. Pretty honest, vulnerable comments there from Chris Kirk, who, you know what? We, we cover golf for a living. We, we see these athletes on TV trying to perform and, and go and, you know, win a bunch of dough and, you know, get a, be a part of history. But for a lot of these professional athletes on the, the PGA Tour, LPGA Tour, it's what we don't see. And we got a very, 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 very sneak peek into during the Full Swing Netflix documentary is, you know, life off the golf course, because it's not it's not all glitz and glamour. It's not private jets for everyone. It's not these, you know, at these great steakhouses here and there uh, when they're not on the golf course. And, you know, for Chris Kirk, uh, kudos, because, you know, he identified what was going on with him off the golf course. He mentioned it there with his sobriety. And now he goes on and, and gets a, a victory. This is just a, a remarkable accomplishment, Bob, uh, for anyone, whether you're a diehard golf fan and or someone who covers a game like us or just a casual sports fan too. There's a lot more going on behind the scenes, I think, with these players than a lot of fa regular fans understand. I've had conversations with players, uh, female players, male players, over the years about the fact that it's a lonely life. It can be a lonely life. It can be a, um, an easy life to f wander off track. As Chris Kirk said, he had to battle with, uh, with alcohol. He had to battle with depression, had to battle with anxiety. And uh, his wife helped him get through that, as he mentioned, gave her kudos. And he took some time away from the tour and had to come back and re-earn his, uh, his privileges through a, a major medical exemption. But I think he's become a bit of a, um, I don't know if you call it spokesperson, but he has become a, a beacon for a lot of other players. And I know that some have talked to him about, you know, their lives and, and what, how they can uh, get back on the right track. And he's, he's done that. He's not afraid to mention it. As he does, says in his winner's speech right there, he thanks his sobriety and thanks his wife and all those kind of things. So as glamorous as a life can be, and for many it is, it's quite a, quite a life and you can make a lot of money. It can also have its, its pitfalls, just like everybody else in this world. And uh, it's great to see Chris Kirk come back. It's great to see the, the manner in which he won. And, uh, and I, just, uh, I just think he's a wonderful guy to, to stand up there and get that trophy. And he moves from 48th to 32nd in the official World Golf Ranking after the victory. And he's already had a great start to the year. Aside from this victory, he came third at the Sony Open, T3 at the American Express. Missed the cut at the WM Phoenix Open, but already three finishes inside the top three this season on the PGA Tour, including the victory. Kudos to Chris Kirk, and especially the way it went down. We'll get to Eric Cole specifically, but on the 18th hole in regulation, Chris Kirk has a one-shot lead. He's in the middle of the fairway on the par 5 18th at PGA National, where, I mean, with all of the grandstand setups, you, you could miss that anywhere left. And there's water on the right, and he decides to go for it, and Bobby clearly pushed this shot a little bit and it hits, hits the stones just, this would have been 25 feet away from the pin probably given where the pin was, was located in, in that traditional front right uh, for the Sunday final round. And this thing bounced, I don't know, 50 yards into the middle of the water. But you wonder in hindsight, do you lay up there in regulation? You make this win a little easier? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. What do you think? 
Well, I guess you have to weigh that risk. And it's, if he makes the shot, he looks great. He gets a nice, easy chance for birdie, probably two putts. Or if you, if you miss it, you're, you're in, the, in the troubled area where he is. I don't know if there's a right answer there. You have to do what you feel confident doing, obviously. I mean, I'm sure there are certain cases where you could have, his caddy could have talked him into it and at least run through it. Now, I didn't see the broadcast because we were mm-hmm. flying at the time, but um, I don't know if his caddy said, hey, what about? So I think you have to trust your gut instinct as to what the best shot is. And I'm sure, obviously, he pushed it. He didn't want to be over by that side of it. But it reminded me when it hit the rocks, I saw the highlight, it reminded me a little bit of... Uh, Hale Irwin at Pebble Beach many years ago defeating Jim Nelford when it looked like his ball was going to go into the water and hit the rocks, bounce back in the fairway, ended up making a birdie. But it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tough tough thing. He would have looked like a hero if that ball had landed even you know long and left or something, as most of the players were doing. But anyway, he got the win, which I guess is what it counts. It certainly is. It, you know, it was fascinating watching both Kirk and Eric Cole throughout that back nine because they predominantly both hit only draws and a lot of the pins were on the right side and you know they're basically playing over water and trying to hoop these draws in there so uh, it was fun to watch I mean Chris Kirk you know he didn't hit his best shot ever but the, the way to bounce back the way he did especially in that playoff too where he hits it he stymied essentially behind a tree and then he almost hoops the uh, lob wedge from 101 yards to, to clinch it but uh, the, the guy he beat was Eric Cole and a lot of people uh, a lot of casual sports fans might hear the name Eric Cole, especially here in Canada, and think, hmm, Eric Cole, Stanley Cup champion, 2006 Carolina Hurricanes. No, it was not that Eric Cole, not the former NHL player uh, who played with uh, the O-Dog here at uh, TSN. But um, anyway, Eric Cole, professional golfer, came up just short in a playoff at the Honda Classic. This is a guy 34 years old, just proposed to his now fiance at Pebble Beach a couple weeks ago where he finished T15. Just comes up short before we discuss Eric Cole and PJ National as a whole. Let's hear from the runner-up at the Honda Classic. It was a great week overall, and, you know, I uh, played three really good days of good ball striking, and then today, especially on the front nine, my ball striking wasn't where it needed to be, and I I felt like I hung pretty tough, and I was really proud of that. I played as hard as I could, and, you know, I'm I'm disappointed in the result, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Chris played great all day, so, uh, you know, congratulations to him, and I was... uh, I was trying my best, but uh, I can't wait to get back in that environment again. It was a lot of fun. He, and he putted very well down the stretch. That that lip out on the playoff hole was gut-wrenching, really, to see. And he moves up from 328th to 179th in the official World Golf ranking. And the beauty now, I think anyway, Bob, of the PGA Tour that we've seen early here in the 2023 portion of the schedule is, yes, we see these designated events, and yes, we see the top dogs go at it. But then we have weeks like we just saw where, sure, the field isn't amazing, but you have stories like this where many people either don't know anything about Eric Cole, players like Eric Cole, or they haven't heard of him. And he had a, he had a chance here to change his life really forever. He comes up just short, obviously, but this is where I, I'm someone who likes to live with a glass half full approach. Uh, um, but to see, you know, him have the chance to, you know, change his life doesn't quite get it done, but this is a, you know, a good opportunity for him now going forward to, you know, the next time he's, he's in the mix to, you know, maybe get it done next time. Well, Eric Cole is a good story. He comes from good stock. His father was a legendary PGA Tour player from South Africa, Bobby Cole. His mother 
was an LPGA Tour player who never won, but was known, probably inappropriately in today's world, but she was known for her her uh, her good looks. And uh, she also suffered through alcohol dependency, had to get uh, had to get some help with that. She was a, um, a U.S. Amateur champion, and she's actually his mental coach. And his father, Bobby Cole, is his swing coach. So I like the Eric Cole story for those backgrounds that you get and and neat little stories about how it all kind of springs together. But um, a 34-year-old rookie on the PGA Tour is a little bit late, obviously, to be playing on the PGA Tour. He's played a lot of mini tours over the years, but it is a great story. And as you said, this is the kind of thing that the PGA Tour delivers a lot. And I'm sure all other golf tournaments can do a lot as well. I'm sure Liv has some great stories. But this week, even though the field wasn't lined up with uh, players in the top of the world ranking, it did feature some great stories and a great winner and a great runner-up. Yeah, that's right. You know, we saw this a couple of years ago, the Honda Classic 2020, just before COVID-19 became a big reality worldwide when Canadian Mackenzie Hughes was was in the mix. And many of the casual golf fans in the U.S. probably didn't know much about Mackenzie Hughes. He had a victory, obviously, in 2016, but he goes out, has a good week at the Honda Classic, and now he's a two-time winner on the PGA Tour. But lots of great stories always on the PGA Tour. Congrats to Chris Kirk for getting it done. Uh, nearly 3,000 days between victories, and Eric Cole moves way up the world ranking. Just comes up a little short at the Honda Classic, but I'm sure we'll hear a lot from Eric Cole as the season goes on. Okay, on the other side, Canadian Nick Taylor came up just short at the WM Phoenix Open. He'll be back in the field this week at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, a designated event, and recently Bob had a chance to catch up with Nick Taylor. We'll hear that interview next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to add affordable, qualified caddies to any round. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada. Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. Welcome back inside GTC. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Well, it seems week in, week out in the world of golf, we have Canadians in the mix, whether it's on the PGA Tour, LPGA Tour, PGA Tour champions. Don't forget, Stephen Ames is already a winner this season. Corn Ferry Tour. PGA Tour Canada is back in a little bit too. There's the the overall depth of Canadian golf is amazing, Bob. And uh, I I also did an interview with uh, Kevin Blue from Golf Canada, which will air on Wednesday, both on television and radio, and he discusses this uh, a lot more. But Bob, before we get to your interview with Nick Taylor. Can you remember a time in all of the years you've covered golf where you've seen this much depth in the strength for Canadian golf? Not a chance. There were more years when we were wondering if there were going to be any Canadians with eligibility on the PGA Tour or uh, the LPGA Tour. I mean, we've had some good runs. I can think back. There was a time where three Canadians on the LPGA Tour, Don Coe Jones, Lisa Walters, and Jennifer Wyatt, won over an 11-week stretch. That was pretty cool, but we went years without having a, a winner on the Canadian winner on the PGA Tour. There were years where it was just Dave Barr or maybe Dave Barr and Dan Halderson. There have been some great moments over the years, of course, um, but this is this is easily the strongest I've ever seen in my uh, my career of covering Canadian golf. 
Yeah, it's it's so great to see, and it's awesome for us on Golf Talk Canada that week in week out we get to discuss Canadians in the mix, Canadians with chances to make history, the chances to change their lives, uh, and so forth. But one of those players was Nick Taylor, who at the WM Phoenix Open had a great chance, finished second to Scotty Scheffler, moved from 223rd to 73rd in the official World Golf ranking. He's now up to 71st as we speak. He'll be in the field for the next couple of weeks for the designated events. First, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and then the Players' Championship. And recently, Bob, you had a chance to catch up with Nick Taylor discussing his first part of 2023. Let's hear that interview. All right, here is Nick Taylor and uh, enjoying the fine sunny weather in Scottsdale, Arizona. And uh, first of all, congratulations. You're going to be a papa again. You and Andy and Charlie are welcoming another one. Um, you made the news, at Beach, which I thought was kind of appropriate because that's where you did the first one as well. But congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited. It's uh, coming up fast. It's going to be in May. So oh. family forward sounds, sounds a bit strange, but uh, yeah, we're excited. That's good. That's good. And that uh, you, you're veterans now about traveling on tour with a little kid. So you get, you just have to double it. Right. It's sort of like, as someone explained it, I think, I think it was, I think it was Webb Simpson who has five kids said it was like, sort of like packing for D day. You know, you've got a million yeah. things that you got to carry, but uh, I'm sure you'll do all right. Anyway, congratulations. Uh, we wanted to talk to you Thank a little you. bit about uh, a little bit about uh, the new year, the success so far. It's been a good start to the season. I, I would assume, I mean, how would you judge your year so far? Yeah, it's been great. I, I felt like I started the new year kind of off like how I, I started the season in the fall, which was really nice. Um, felt like it was a continuation where I've been working on some good things and it's it's really shown on the golf course. So Hawaii was was great to kind of start the year off with the top 10 and keep it going. And then, you know, Phoenix was one where um, it was an awesome week, obviously. My track record there had had not been great. So I really didn't have a whole lot of expectations, but I put a lot of work in and, and spend a lot of time on that golf course, maybe more so than I have in years past to really try to just figure the greens out. That's where I've really struggled in the past. So, you know, it, it really worked out this year. I felt like, you know, Dave Markle was the first time he's been there on my bag and he, he read the greens quite well. And so that was a, a huge, huge support there. So, um, you know, TD green's been quite good since the start of the year and, and the putters really been nice since, uh, since Sony. Uh, you, you sort of did, a. I'm reading between the lines here, but it looks like what you did was sort of put together, uh, a, I don't know what you want to call it, a restart plan, a shift plan. I mean, you you really worked hard in the offseason. You got a new caddy. I mean, you you sort of changed things up a little bit maybe in, in order to try and say, okay, let's do a reset and see what we can do. Am I reading that right? Yeah, it was it was a few things, you know. Um, just, just trying to look at where I can maximize kind of my talent. Um, what areas I feel like that, that probably could use the most improvement and just try to be better kind of daily. It's kind of a, a cliche, but if you try to get, do the small habits constantly really well, I feel like over time it, it, it pays off. And that's where I've really tried to adapt that philosophy and, and kind of do a lot of good daily habits. And uh, it seems to be paying off. So um, Marco has been awesome. He's, he started near the end of last year. And, um, you know, he's really helped kind of on the mental side on the golf course. I've done a bunch of work off of it, but, you know, tying him with it has, has been very helpful. When you say tying the mental side, is he just kind of keeping you in the right frame of mind? And is that cheering you up and <laughs> keeping you positive? Is that the kind of way it works? Yeah, he's just how he is. You know, he keeps things extremely loose, but also, you know, he's, his golf knowledge is, is very, very high. But, um, you know, he, he's he's extremely positive, keeps things in perspective. I felt like 
a lot of times when we've been in contention, it's been three or four times this year that, um, you know, I'm more loose probably than I ever have been consistently. And I think a big reason is because of him. So, um, he's been a huge help in those, in those situations. Uh, no surprise that your putting has been markedly improved this year. Obviously it's uh, you can look at the stats and read that, but how does it feel to you? It looks like, I mean, when we saw your waste management, you were rolling them in from just about everywhere. Uh, it, it, throughout yeah. four days, it seems great. Is, are you happy with, with the improvements you've seen? Yeah. You know, I, I, I experimented the, the final round last year in Mexico with, with that claw grip. Um, I've been kind of hot and cold the whole season. And I was maybe in like 55th plate or something. I didn't really have a whole lot to play for other than, you know, shoot a great round because the scores are pretty low. And I put lights out that final round. So I was like, all right, maybe I got something here that, that could work for me. It didn't work so great at Houston. So I was kind of going into the offseason unsure. And, uh, you know, I work with Gareth Rafluski on, on short game and we kind of put together what we really wanted to do. Um, and that grip with my setup and the stroke and everything with all the stats that we use with, you know, different measurements that he has it was the best for me. So, um, going into, into Sony, I was really committed to it. It wasn't really like I was, Oh, like a trial period. I was very committed to it. And, uh, you know, the weekend there, I put awesome. And it was just a continuation since then. And same thing, doing a lot of the simple daily habits, uh, that seems to be paying off. So that's been a, a really nice change and it's worked out. I, I was texting with Gareth when you were playing the final round of waste management. He told me it took, took you guys like a couple of months to try and get your setup right is that what you agree with that? Is that what I'm reading? Right. Or hearing that right. Yeah. And it, yeah. And, it, yeah, and it's probably still not right. It's uh, <laughs> you know, when you get into kind of some bad habits, it's, it's easy to revert back when you're out in the golf course in competition. Um, but you know, it, like for example, ball position, moving that back an inch sounds like pretty simple, but it's, it's something that can be quite uncomfortable for quite a long time. So um, minor stuff like that. But again, with, with going to this grip, it's really, really made things a lot easier for me. Um, it's kind of counteracted some habits that I had that, that didn't make me as successful on the greens as I wanted to. And it's really helped, um, on a certain few things. So it's been nice. Uh, that last round, the waste management, it's gotta be a, a fun day to remember. I know you would have liked to have obviously come out in first, but you're playing with Scotty Scheffler. You're playing with John Rahm. You're playing in front of the crazy crowds and you've got a chance to win the tournament. Just kind of, can you reflect back now and, and sort of, uh, take a little bit of, uh, of, of gratitude for what happened there. I, even though you, I know you didn't win, you probably would have wanted to win, but is it, was it a great moment for you in your career? Yeah, I think it's a, a huge stepping stone. I, I, I'm looking at all the positives. I really, I trying to, there's been a couple nights since then where I was like, man, if I just hit better shots on 15, 16, it could have been a different story, but um, you know, I, in the end, I would have had to shoot 63, to tie 62 to win that that's that's a hefty score that golf course <laughs> um but yeah it's, it's a lot of positives you know i felt like i've been in certain situations like that and handled it quite well so i was i was confident going in that i could handle maybe the moment and hoping that my game would maybe match that and it, and it did so that was really exciting um you know it was fun it's an atmosphere we rarely play under saturday was was equally as insane probably as sunday so um kind of getting that under my belt can only help me at bigger tournaments going forward and that's that's kind of the plan because i feel like now i'm i'm in a position to hopefully play in more majors uh and huge tournaments kind of the rest of the year and, and forward uh you you kind of became the poster boy too for the people who don't want the designated events to have shorter fields 
<laughs> but it it does go to show you that the, the, the difference between the, the very best and, you know, the guys who are down half a level or whatever, or two levels or whatever you may say, it's not much, is it? No, it's not. And I, you know, I read a couple articles that, you know, if they want to use me as, as a poster boy for that reasoning, I'm, I guess I'm happy to be that, that person. Um, I think the, the overall consensus with a lot of players, at least that, that were in my position and still are that, you know, the tournaments are better when there's 120 men or, or more fields. It's, it's deeper competition. There's so many players on the PGA tour that people, you know, if they're fringe fringe watchers, they've never heard of, but they're, they're phenomenal players. Um, and I think it makes the tournaments better. It adds a different type of storyline than, you know, just the John Roms and, and McElroy's dominating because they're, they are phenomenal and they do drive the product. But I think there's definitely space for, you know, players like myself in that position where not many people maybe of, of who know who I was, but um, had a chance to win. And I feel like it added, added a bit to the tournament. It felt like all of Canada knew who you were. And I'm, I'm glad they did because they were really <laughs> burning up the social media, at least my social media about that. How much pleasure do you take in? Yeah. in I'm sure you probably went through and saw, saw some of that stuff. How much pleasure do you take in that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to see uh, people watch the tournament. You know, I feel like every time I'm in that position, I'm always surprised at how many people are tuning in and, and really wanting me to do well. Uh, you know, the, the Saturday evening, didn't look at my phone. It's, it's probably only harmful in those situations. So in the past, when I've been in that spot of, you know, tucked it away and, and just avoided it uh, at all costs pretty much. But um, no, it's fun to read through and see for certain uh, people pulling for me that maybe aren't, not really in the golf world, um, just the sports world in general. So it's, it's fun to have people watching and rooting for me. So you get what you get like hockey players texting you and baseball players or what? They- yeah. Devin. Yeah. Devin toes. Uh, he's, he messaged me, you know, he's an Abbotsford boy playing for the avalanche. So that was cool. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of people. So it's, it's just fun to, fun to have people watching. Looking ahead. Now you talked about, it. you mentioned that your, your schedule kind of changes a little bit with that and uh, majors. I mean, what is, is there a short-term or long-term goals? Obviously I would think trying to get into the masters would be one, but, uh, but your schedule, how does it alter now with, with your play so far this year? Yeah. Short-term not a whole lot's changed. I'll be in the, the Arnold Palmer and then the players. Um, the match play is definitely in the cards now for me that it, it never really has been in the past. So that's exciting. I, I hope I can perform the next couple of weeks and kind of ride some momentum into that. I had a decent track record of, of match play in amateur golf, but I haven't played it in God knows how long, 10, 15 years. So um, that would be really fun for me. And especially it's going to be the last one kind of ever, um, at least for the time being. So that's kind of short term masters is obviously circled. It's probably going to take another top five or so in one of these big tournaments to move in. But I feel like where my game's at, that's definitely possible. And, uh, you know, from then on, I'll, I'll have a probably three or four weeks off, um, around when the baby's due date. And that was, you know, of, of all the things that's happened to have a kind of a stress-free month off in there when the baby comes and us to figure out what's going on with, <laughs> with our second is, is a big deal. So I'm, I'm happy that we kind of, be at home and just kind of chill. Uh, yeah, I think life can take, uh, take, take uh, precedence over golf for that, that little period. And then you can come right yeah. back for the RBC Canadian open. Look at that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Nick, we wish you the best of luck. Congratulations on a good season so far. And thanks for spending some time. Thanks Bob. Appreciate it. That's Nick Taylor with Bob weeks and Bob, there's so many ways, so many questions I want to ask you about that. We don't have enough time for that. But the one thing, one of the things that really stuck out to me from that interview was the work that Nick 
is doing with his coach on his putting setup. How when weekend warriors like you and me, you know, try a setup on the putting green five minute fourteen off and say, "Okay, we're going with it. Here we go. Let's let's go out and try it." But Nick Taylor, he's he's moved it an inch, and it's still not where it needs to be like these guys grind so much and and nick taylor he tried that claw grip and moved it back and it's certainly paying off so far for him so far this season well he's got a great coach in gareth rafluski who's based in london ontario who is the coach for many players on the lpga tour he actually coached jin young ko and she hired him to come and work with her for a week in that same year she ended up being number one in the world and he she gives him a lot of credit he has a lot of clients on the lpga tour and now he's working, starting to work with more and more PGA Tour players. And I really think that Nick is playing with renewed confidence as well. Not just, you know, he's got great, a lot better at putting. His driver's a lot better. I think he's just in a place right now where he's going to have a very, very solid season. So many times he's been the guy at the bubble, 125-ish. And if you look back at his career where he's finished, he always seems to manage to get in. But it takes a lot of grinding down the stretch to do it. So I think this year he's going to have a little more relaxed ball finish, as it were. And, uh, and perhaps maybe even uh, surprise us with some bigger event finishes like he had at Waste Management. Well, there's that uh, Wyndham Championship. This would have been three or four years ago where he was on the bubble and had that great final round to get his card. And so this guy, another great thing I love about Nick Taylor, too, is how even keeled he is. It doesn't seem like he ever gets too high or too low on the golf course. And so far, so good for Nick Taylor. Uh, I can't wait to see what's to come from him throughout the rest of the season okay coming up on the other side we're going to wrap up our one and we're also also going to tell you that we have a new leader atop our tsn edge standings it's no longer the z-men is it bob is it me you'll have to find out next this is golf talk canada this segment of gtc presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech canada canada's leader in automotive accessories This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Million weeks with you, Zakino joining us. To kick off hour two, Mark was a part of our TSM Plus coverage for the Honda Classic and as well PGA Tour Live. He'll be on the ground this week for the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill for PGA Tour Radio. Now, as you all know, TSN Edge is your home for all your fantasy needs. And every week, we all make three selections for that week's PGA Tournament. And Bob, Jonathan Vegas was one of your picks this past weekend. He had a very clutch shot on Friday. He was going for the green and two. He was on the cut line, needed a birdie to get into the weekend. He did just that. And what did he do on Sunday? A Sunday 64. So he finished T21. And you might think, what's the significance behind that? Why am I going off here on Jonathan Vegas? Well, with that round, we have a new man on top of our TSN Edge leaderboard. Mark has been on top forever, really. And now Bob is on top on a bit of a technicality here. Because Bob and Mark both have our live studio audience is back. Oh, this is amazing. So a bit of a technicality here because both Bob and Mark are both 434 under par. But because Bob has fewer missed cuts this season... 
Bob, you are now a numero uno. So I just want to be the first. I just want to be the first to congratulate you. I mean, how how honored are you? How does it feel? It's taken a lot of hard work to get here. I've been working with my coaches, and I just uh, they've been teaching me to believe, to take deep breaths when I'm making my picks, try and stay relaxed and focus on the stats. Okay, well, you know, as they say, hard work pays off. So you and, ba and Mark are both at 434 under par. Mark has 11 missed cuts. You have 10 missed cuts. Someone is in third. That is me. I'm at 408 under par. I will say I thought about p picking Chris Kirk. I did not actually pick him this past week. I had two missed cuts. Matt Kuchar and Denny McCarthy just did not get it done for me. Min Woo Lee, he was someone I was hopefully was going to be under the radar. Finished T26, so Min Woo Lee couldn't get it done. But Bob is our new TSN Edge leader. And, of course, you can see this week's TSN Edge picks for the Arnold Palmer Invitational because we're back on TV. The whole gang is back together this Wednesday, 1 p.m. on TSN where we'll have a full preview of the Arnold Palmer Invitational. One of us picked John Rahm, who already has three victories in 2023. How about Scotty Scheffler? Maybe Colin Morikawa. Are they uh, due to break out here and get another victory? You'll have to tune in to see our picks Wednesday, 1 p.m. on TSN. Now, Bob, of course, 20 weeks of TaylorMade is a big thing we do annually. And 20 weeks of TaylorMade is back very soon. We'll have a big announcement next week. But I'm not sure if you saw on social media, our grand prize winner, Christian Anderson, posted his first shipment he received from uh, winning the grand prize. And that was six dozen golf balls. And Bob, for you, six dozen golf balls. I mean, you haven't missed a fairway since 2004. So if <laughs> you use the same golf ball all year, like how, how, long, would, how long would it take you to go through six dozen golf balls? I don't hit it far enough to lose them, so it's uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, six dozen would probably last me a season for sure, at least. Oh, I'm jealous of that. Okay, yeah, I mean, but good for Christian <laughs> Anderson. Uh, full set of uh, clubs coming, the whole shebang. 20 weeks of TaylorMade. Big announcement coming next week. Mark will have that for us. It's an exciting time, and I always love when our social media feeds blow up because people are always looking for some new tailor-made gear 20 weeks of tailor-made coming up very shortly right here on gtc well coming up in hour two first we'll be joined by mark sacchino for a long conversation on the honda classic we'll look ahead to the designated event this week at the arnold palmer invitational we'll ask him all about his selfies with christina kim and as well, we'll have winners, weird and what, coming up too, because uh, as always, lots of weird and wacky in the world of golf. All that and more coming up in hour two, right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by TaylorMade, was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to hour one of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? 
visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back inside GTC Scully and Weeks here for hour two, the back nine right here on Golf Talk Canada. We are going to be joined momentarily by Mark Zucchino, and we're going to have winners weird and what a little later in the show too, because you know, Bob, as always, there are lots of wacky and weird going on in the world of golf and something that I just want to throw a little teaser out there. Um, you know, hosting SportsCenter this past weekend, a lot of our highlights were centered around guys going into the water hazards, removing clothing, and hitting shots. I don't know if I can recall another tournament where I've seen so many players without uh, any apparel on. I, I, I don't know about you, Bob, but can you remember <laughs> anything like this? Uh, no, I can't really think of anything where there were players wearing... Um only pants rolled up and boy actually Batea is the skinniest human being on the PGA Tour I would have to say boy he looks like he would blow away in a good windstorm I'd be curious him or Will Zalatoris who who would tip the scales a a little more uh because you know anyway we'll we'll get into that more in three up coming up a little later in the show but now joining us on the line is uh Mark Sacchino Mark first of all how are you and update our listeners as always where in the world are you right now I am switching uh hotel accommodations once again so my PGA Tour live duties are done uh for now and the next two weeks, PGA Tour Radio on the ground for the Arnold Palmer and then back on the ground for the Players' Championship. So it's uh, one week in a new hotel, then another week to another hotel. So uh, I'm on the move from uh, the northeast Palm Coast part of Florida down into central Florida. And looking forward to an amazing week at the Arnold Palmer. It's always one of my favorite events of the year. I mean, it's still I know Arnie's no longer with us, but it's still a special place. And just to let you guys know as well, I, I, I heard your conversation before you brought me in. I did the final day and a half of PGA Tour Live topless. I figured, you know, if you can't beat them, right, we might as well just jump in. So, Wow. I mean, there there's a lot of ways I can go uh, with that in particular. When I was reading the highlights on SportsCenter, uh, my co-host, Mark Rowe, we, who we ironically were wearing the exact same color of uh, blazer which we did not call each other before but mark rowe called it the scully when uh one of the players was going tarps off hitting a shot so uh to confirm i i have never taken my shirt off and hit a golf shot uh that i can remember uh but mark uh, that was a little tmi but anyway um lo- lo- lots of ways to go from there but uh in terms of the tournament itself mark i mean what a finish it was chris kirk getting it done over eric cole and pga national fails uh, it's it never fails to disappoint it's a it's a great venue what was your perspective on chris kirk getting it done yeah i think i mean there's so many different perspectives here pga national always stands up it, it might not be you know uh as Im- imaginative uh, of a golf course as what we saw last last week in riviera but i mean it, it certainly always pushes back and this is in a year where they really didn't get any win. Like, I mean, in previous years, we've seen guys have to deal with five, six, seven, and then, you know, 15, 16, 17, and, you know, winds gusting at 24, 28, 32, 34 miles an hour. We got none of that. I mean, that's about as easy as you are going to see 
the bear trap play, uh, especially this time of year. So, and, and that golf course in general. And it still was a challenge, and it was still stood up. I think the Chris Kirk story is a fantastic story. Uh, you know, his personal battles have been um, well uh, documented. He's been open about it. He was open about it yesterday when in his post-round winner's uh, interview at news conference. Uh, so everybody likes a good comeback story. And, you know, he's played well recently. It's not like this came out of the blue. It, you know, looking back at the week, guys, what stands out to me is with the exception of Tiger Woods, this is, to me, the Honda Classic is proof that nobody is bigger than the game of golf. Uh, you know, we had the weakest field of the year. Uh, half of this field, the casual golf fan would, would have, wouldn't know them if they hit them with their car. And maybe that's, maybe that's kind, saying half of this field. It might be greater. Yet we had incredible drama down the stretch, an amazing finish, a guy trying to make a comeback, another guy trying to win for the first time, uh, really engaging TV and radio. And then, you know, in the country just south of me here in Mexico, we had a star-studded field that nobody cared about. A star-studded field that had horrific ratings. Um, so, I mean, at the end of the day, and I say I ex exclude Tiger Woods because we all know Tiger changes everything. Um, I think it, it was proof on, you know, how how people really just love the purity and the drama of the sport. And sometimes it doesn't matter what names are coming down the leaderboard on a Sunday when you get a great finish like we had at Honda. Mark, uh, Adam and I were having a discussion at the top of the show about whether or not uh, Chris Kirk should have gone for the green with his second shot in regulation. And I don't know if there's a correct answer, yes or no, because if you make it, you look great and you look like a genius. And if you miss it like he did, you have to recover and hope that you can get into a playoff and win that. What, what, what's your take on that shot? I'm kind of stuck in the middle on this one because I, at the time, I was I wrapped for the day. I was on the main feed earlier in the day, and then I finished off uh, featured hole coverage in the afternoon. So once Chris Kirk and Eric Cole... Uh, went through 15, I was done for the day. So I immediately went back to the hotel, threw on NBC because I wanted to watch it just like you guys. And I'm sitting there, I'm watching it, and I thought, I thought it to be a very bizarre decision on his behalf. But I found it more bizarre at the, at the aggression of the second shot. Like, we always like to use the term aggressive swings to conservative targets. Uh, and, and I think what that means is you know, there's a thin line between playing aggressive and playing dumb. And I mean, if going at the flag, and, I, and obviously it was a professional push, he wasn't aiming at the flag. I don't think, at least I don't believe he had intentions of being that aggressive. But I mean, the number one thing there for me, guys, is he should be aiming and focusing and hitting a golf shot that is left edge focused, you know, bailing out to the left. And then picking a number that, picking a number, and picking a, a golf club that's aggressive that kind of squeezes it as far up the left as possible. And hey, listen, if it catches the front end, edge of the green, great. If it's a left side bailout to like similar to what Eric Cole did, a left side bailout. To me, that's the smart aggressive play. So I'm kind of was stuck in the middle. 
You know, do I want us to hit five iron? You know, I don't know if that's the right play either because you're trying to win a golf tournament. Five iron up the left or something along those lines is certainly better than dead aim at the flag. I thought that was crazy. But if I'm the bag man there, I'm saying, okay, let's pick a number to get you on that left edge. Let's hit it left. I don't even care if you start it at the grandstand and hit a cut if you want. Because if you hit it in the grandstand, you're going to take your relief and you're going to take your drop and you're going to have your third from not a bad angle. Uh, to me, it was just um, the, the worst choice he could have made is the one he did. Um, where were you guys, Bob? Bob, Adam, which, which side of the fence were you two gentlemen on on this one? Well, you know, for me, Mark, it was sort of, you know, watching both Cole and and Kirk go down the stretch, they were only hitting draws, really. It's, even into those right-hand pin locations, they're drawing it into them. So what I, what I thought, and it didn't seem like there was any hesitation at all, was the metal wood was coming out, and it seemed like he was aiming a little left of the pin anyway, and it was just to sort of hit a, a loopy draw in there. And if it, like you said, goes in the grandstand, you get your free drop where it goes where Cole hit it, where you have somewhat of a good angle in there to easily chip. I, I just think he mishit the shot. I just think the pressure got to him. And he even spoke about it afterwards, just the nerves that were involved all day on Sunday. Obviously, when you're trying to win for the first time in nearly 3,000 days, I just think he didn't pull off the, the shot he was looking to execute. And go ahead, Mark. I was going to say, and it's the challenge of the modern-day player, you know, because, yes, you, you need a go-to shot, and everybody has a shot pattern that they prefer, but that's a perfect example of being a one-trick pony and why it's taken eight years for him to win again. I mean, uh, if the shot called for a, a cut off the left, because if you aim it left and you miss it, you're hitting your third from a free drop. And if you hit it left and you cut it, you're putting for eagle or something in between. Being a one-trick pony where you're just leaning on draw all day and you've got nothing else – so now you're telling me he's going to start it just left of the flag, middle of the green. But if he gets ahead of it and that draw doesn't happen, it's disastrous. I mean, if you're going to play the shot you're talking about, Adam, and I get it, I'm still starting it at the left edge of the green. And if it turns over, I'm still fine. And if I stand up on it and miss it right, now he looks like he hit a cut to the middle of the green. And guess what? We just don't talk about it and tell anybody that you missed it bad. I mean, to me, it's a mistake. So I guess I know where Bob went with this. Bob's kind of going probably hit it up the left in the fairway, put a good number in your hand, hit a good solid wedge shot, and let's see if we can win this golf tournament the old-fashioned way. Yeah, I, I don't think you need any uh, Hale Irwin uh, off the rocks at Pebble Beach kind of hero shots either. I would have played <laughs> safe, but then, but then again, I don't hit many par fives and two. So as I said at the top, I think, though, if you hit it, if you hit it on the green, you look like a genius. If you lay up um, and you, you chunk it into the bunker or something, you know, you can look, you can look great. It's just you have to perform no matter what decision you actually make. Uh, let's switch the topic to this week's tournament. And, Mark, I don't know if you've uh, you said how much you love uh, Bay Hill and, and what goes on there. And I think this year, this tournament with the designated event is going to be a real shootout. Do you have anything that sticks out in your mind right now about the the players who are likely going to be up at the top, if it's been anything like the last few um, designated events with Rom and McElroy and Scheffler and uh, all those guys, that cast of, of characters. 
be defending again this week. Uh, I had the pleasure of being with Scotty for, for his last 36 last year, and wow, I mean, some of the putts he buried. I remember the par on 15 from the left trees was just like, I'm like, this guy's unbelievable. There's no, after that par, I'm like, this guy's going to win this golf tour. Uh, the thing I love a bit about Bay Hill, obviously there's the, the Arnold Palmer connection and how everybody has kind of propped this up and now the tour to make sure it stays important, even, uh, even several years after Artie's passing. Because there was a concern, Bob. I remember you and I having a conversation, I think it was about three years ago, and they, you know, they didn't have the strongest field at the Arnold Palmer that year, and it was, it was a one-off because, you know, since then it's been right back to the event it deserves to be. So I'm glad that the tour and the players have, uh, are doing what they're doing. So I think it's great. The other thing that stands out for me, guys, is how different this golf course plays on the weekend. And they've, you know, I mean, it's going to be tough Thursday, Friday. It always is. But then on the weekend, it gets brown. And it goes from tough to just playing really hard. And I like watching these guys have to think more. It's just not aim and shoot. Uh, there's supposed to be a strong wind coming in Friday night. That's gonna... Now, we're dealing with record heat this year in February in Florida. So when I say it's going to blow in a cold front, it's going to blow in temperatures from the low 30s down to the low 20s. So it's still going to be very pleasant in the low 20s. But the point is on Friday and Saturday morning, we could get some crazy winds. So if we get this golf course dry, hard, fast, the way we usually do, and then we get those winds on top of it, I mean, we could be in for a very fun late Friday, somewhere into Saturday. We'll see when they arrive. So um, it's always a great event. The designated uh, uh, label now is just, you know, confirmed that the best in the world are going to be there. And uh, don't you feel like we're just on another collision course of maybe Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm? I, I just, I think we're just going to pick up where we left off in, in L.A. with big names kind of coming down the stretch trying to knock each other out. I, I think we better get used to this the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I totally agree, Mark. And you mentioned the the challenging conditions. And historically, this course has been very challenging, too. Two of the last three years, the score to par, I mean, 2020, Terrell Hatton won at four under par for the whole tournament and won. Last year, Scotty Scheffler was five under par for 72 holes and won the tournament. It seems like here at Bay Hill and what you're saying, too, with these wins, we could see a U.S. Open breakout here, which is great to see for the for the viewer because, you know, we've seen, you know, we saw the American Express, like you mentioned several times, Mark. It was as if you're playing in a dome and it's a, an all-out shootout. But here... We get to see guys try different shots, especially in the wind when there's so much water. And if it's going to be like it has in the past couple of years, I'm sure the rough will be up too at Bay Hill. Yeah, if the rough is, uh, has been, guys, where it's been the last couple of years, we're in for more of the same. We're in for four, five, six, seven under winning this golf tournament, uh, assuming the rough is what it has been over the last few years. And as soon as I get on property, I'll, I'll check it out and, and tweet it out and tag you guys. Uh, and I, I just showed the difference in the cut between the rough and the walking path. And it was literally like, it looked like six or seven inches of, 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 of rough, which was just like, oh my God, like what are they doing out here? And sure enough, you know, there it is. So um, I think we're going to get more of the same. 
Uh, I love these designated events. And, and, you know, just Bay Hill, it feels like a special place. And I'm really looking forward to it. And then, of course, Players' Championship, so it doesn't get uh, it doesn't get any easier. But you know what I find the funny thing? Bob, you know, 30 years ago, if you had said to you or I 30 years ago, the easiest golf course on the Florida swing is going to be the stadium course at Sawgrass, if I had told you that, you would have slapped me and said, you're an idiot, Zucchino. And here we are. You know, many, many decades later, and the, the most player-friendly setup and the best, likely the best score in relation to par for the winner will, will likely come again at TPC Sawgrass. And it's like, I mean, how did that happen overnight? But I, I kind of feel like that's where we're at again. I'm gonna I'm gonna slap you and call you an idiot anyway, just because I, I love you. But but just changing changing that you're absolutely right with that. It is amazing how that how how each year can transform the different courses and and weather can may play a huge factor. Don't forget last year the Players Championship when we had the freezing cold weather. I think we had a frost delay one morning if I'm not mistaken, but I do remember how cold it was last year. Um, kind of quickly here, but. If you were to pick one of the Canadians that's in the in the Arnold Palmer to have a really good week, is there anyone who jumps out who has the kind of game that you think will adjust well to this course? Well, I mean, that's so tough, right? Because what we've seen Adam have success in majors last year, you know, he was near or at the top of the leaderboard of the U.S. Open and in, in, through a couple of rounds. Corey Connors done so well at Augusta. And I, I'm trying to pick players that where, you know, chipping away at a leaderboard is a good guy. Well, let's not forget Mackenzie Hughes back at Sunday at a U.S. Open. So we've got guys that can contend when it's uh, when it's tough. I I hate to cop out here, guys, but Adam Svensson's shown us some pretty good stuff the last couple of weeks. Now, Adam in the field this week? I haven't had a chance to take a look at the whole field. I'm assuming Adam's in the field this week. Spencer? Yes. Okay. I'm going to stick with the hot horse. I mean, he played well this week. I mean, he's played well recently. I'm going to stick with Adam Spencer right now as as our hot Canadian. I think uh, I think Taylor had a good week this week. But, I mean, no, I'm going to – I'm going to go with the with the uh, the player who is showing me the most right now, and I think Adam Spenson is starting to feel very comfortable on the PGA Tour. If you know what I'm saying, guys. I, I mean, I think now he's starting to feel like, yeah, I'm going to kind of be around leaderboards every week, and he's so talented. I know he's won already this year. Uh, but I think he's reaching a new level of comfort uh, that he's probably getting from his recent success, and maybe more so by believing if I put in the work, the results will follow. And if those things are lining up, I think we better get used to him on leaderboards. Yeah, it's, uh, as we were talking about in our first hour, Mark, it's, there's so many Canadians that can get in the mix any week on any tour. It's a great time to be not only a fan of Canadian golf, but someone who covers it uh, as well. Uh, Safe travels this week, Mark. Looking forward to hearing your call on PGA Tour Radio. And we'll talk to you as well Wednesday, 10 a.m. on TSN 1050, as well, TSN Television at 1 p.m. Wednesday as well. Mark, thanks for joining us.
Awesome, boys. TV back Wednesday, busy week, API. You guys have a good one. We'll chat tomorrow. Okay, sounds good. Uh, that is Mark Zacchino, who is on the road again. He was, uh, sounded like, Bob, If if uh, it sounded like he was almost in a wind tunnel at one point. I mean, if we get those kind of wins this week at Bay Hill, look out for some low scores. Looking forward to that. Uh, it's, it's a great tournament, the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And like you guys were mentioning, too, great to have a very good field this year as well. On the other side, we'll tee up winners, weird, and what. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. Learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community. Visit CobbleBeach.com today. Welcome back inside GTC. Winners, weird, and what coming up on the other side. Scully and Weeks here with you. And Bob, you ended our, our conversation with Mark asking him who he likes from a Canadian perspective this week, and he took Adam Svensson. I'm going to ask you this very same question. Who do you like for Team Canada this week at the Arnold Palmer Invitation? I'm going to bet on a long shot-ish, sort of, because he hasn't really started off that quick so far this year. And that's Corey Connors. doesn't have a top 10 yet this year, so I'm looking, I'm looking for Corey to break out. I think he likes the Florida courses better than he likes the West Coast. And so I'm expecting him to have a big one. But it's not, it's, you know what? It's really nice to have a whole bunch of choices because there's lots of picks you could make out there very easily. There certainly are. And uh, many forget, too, Connors finished third at this very tournament back in 2021 where he had rounds of 66, 69, 71, 74. And uh, that was the year Bryson DeChambeau beat Lee Westwood at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. We'll have much more on the API on uh, Wednesday when we have a GTC doubleheader, first 10 a.m. TSN 1050, then 1 p.m. TSN television, where we'll have a full preview of this week's Arnold Palmer Invitational. On the other side, winners, weird, and what? This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. Book your tour at cadillac.ca slash live. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Well, it's our favorite time of the show. No shortage of bizarre and wild and crazy in the world of golf over the past week. It is winners, weird, and what. And this week, Bob... You have the tea. So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball! All right, you guys. Uh, my winner this week is from the West Coast, from Kelowna, British Columbia. It's Megan Osland, and that name may not 
ring a bell with uh, casual golf fans, but Megan is a professional. She's been playing on mini tours. She's been playing on the, the Epson tour, and she's been a, a hotness winner so far. There's a tour out in Arizona called the Cactus Tour, interesting name, and she has won her third victory on the mini tour this winter, just last week. She's been working really hard on her game. Uh, she has a, been dialed in with her swing coach, her putting coach, her mental coach, and I like this story, Adam, because it's bringing out that there are a lot more young women golfers out there coming up, rising through the ranks. We have a lot of guys on the PGA Tour, but we have a small crew on the LPGA Tour. We have Brooke, and we have Elena Sharp, and we have um, Motomi LeBlanc, really, and we're looking for some more. I get that, asked, that question asked a lot. And so that's a great, great, um, great move for, for Megan to get the great play that she's working hard on her game. And it's not one thing she said, it's just the sum of the parts. And my best story about Megan Austin is, or the best part about it is, hey, she's a lefty. There are not many lefty professional women out there. So I'm pulling for her to make it onto the LPGA Tour perhaps by next year and become one of the few, in fact, the only left-hander on the LPGA Tour she would be. What do you think of that? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And, and that goes to... Uh, conversation we had in hour one about the strength of golf in Canada on a professional level and up and coming too, but also what I was talking about with Kevin Blue, which will air on uh, Wednesday, who is the Chief Sport Officer of Golf Canada, and their Golf Canada's goal of having 30 players on PGA and LPGA combined from Team Canada, which is certainly very ambitious, but stories like this were certainly in the step in the right direction. My weird this week takes us back to the Netflix series and uh, Full Swing. And uh, there was episode two, I believe, had a primary focus on Ian Poulter. Now, Ian Poulter is a perfect guy for this. He's a, um, he's a very outgoing kind of guy. He's got a lot of personality. He's got, he runs hot and cold. He does a lot of different things. He's very honest in the series. And in this episode, I think um, you see him... You know, as a family man, you see him as a guy throwing clubs in the locker. You see him as a guy being very honest about how when you miss a cut, you know, that's not what he should be doing. He can't, can't sort of afford to go on these, um, on these, out to these tournaments, fly to them and not win anything because he's losing all his, uh, losing all his expenses. He's just got expenses and nothing coming back for it. And so um, the... The, uh, sorry, the uh, other part of it is, am I off? Hello, can you hear me? I'm okay. I'm getting a strange noise. Okay. The, uh, so, but the interesting part of this was that in the, in one scene, he's in the locker room and he opens up his locker and there at the bottom of the locker is a bottle of Tito's vodka. <laughs> and it's sort of, and I noticed that when, during the show and then someone posted on it. And it was kind of interesting for him. I don't know what was going on there. It was sort of a weird thing if he would have, um, if he would have Tito's during the game, or if somebody <laughs> during that, or if he was a um, just on on his own, had a bottle in there to have a little snort before what was going on. But it was a uh, it was a strange little find that uh, someone on on Twitter posted as well. So that was an interesting one. And then to go for my uh, my what? And this is a really, I thought this was fascinating. Jack Nicholas was asked um, what he thought about the Honda. Honda, the sponsor, is leaving the Honda Classic after 42 years of sponsorship. And there was some concern in the area where he lives in Palm Beach Gardens that 
perhaps there would not be a PGA Tour event there next year. But there is. There is a, a tour event there going to be next year. This is what, according to Jack Nicklaus. But not only did he say that there will be a tour event there, but it will be a better tour event. He said there's going to be an event added in Mexico between the Genesis and the new Honda Classic. Additionally, Jack said, probably spoiling the PGA Tour's announcement that will be forthcoming, Pebble Beach next year will replace the Waste Management Open, the WM Phoenix Open, as a designated event, meaning just, just uh, one event with a $20 million purse will be played three weeks prior to the Honda. So it makes you think that there's going to be a shuffle in the PGA Tour schedule for next year, which also bodes well, from what I've heard, for the, um, for the RBC Canadian Open, because it is not, as we know, a designated event this year. It will have a pretty solid field just because of all the RBC players. But perhaps there's, and I've heard this before, a little bit of a rumor that there may be a different date for the RBC Canadian Open next year, and it will, might be a designated event. Those are just rumors. Have nothing firm yet. What do you think about that? Interesting. Sorry about that technical difficulty. I'm now on the phone. Hopefully we can uh, fix that during the commercial break. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. I mean, you know what? Like we, we want to see the variety in these designated events. And, you know, whether it's the RBC Canadian Open, whether it's what well, we just saw PGA National, which is a great golf course. And we've seen some unbelievable finishes throughout the year, like in, you know, 10 years ago now when Rory and Tiger went down the stretch. So I'm hoping that we see variety and Pebble Beach too. I mean, Pebble Beach is one of the great golf courses in the world. One of the most famous places across the earth. And to have a better field there would just be awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a great, uh, great moment. And I'm glad that Jack is spilling the beans a little earlier. It gives us all a little bit of optimism, especially for the folks at the Honda Classic. They'll have a new sponsor there or they will run it for a year or so, I think, under the PGA Tours uh, leadership. All right, Adam, the tee is now yours. 348. Oh, <laughs> oh man, that is sweet. Okay, thanks, Bob. My winner this week goes to uh, Billy Horschel, who was mic'd up on the golf course the same way that uh, MB- or CBS has also been doing it. As Jim Nance coined it, their, their Saturday stroll, as, uh, as they call it. But Golf Channel did the same thing with Billy Horschel during Friday's second round. And it, Billy was, uh, he was a good sport about it because clearly he was not playing – his best stuff. And Dan Hicks asked him, you know, like, what's your strategy here during the bear trap? There's so much water. And Billy quite bluntly said, I'm just trying to keep the ball out of the water. So it was pretty cool to hear a PGA tour professional be that honest about something where, you know, us weekend warriors might think, you know, might have, might have that mentality, might have an even more aggressive mentality, but for a guy like Billy Horschel, a winner on the PGA tour, obviously a guy who's played a lot of great golf in Florida, good for him for, for being that honest and, you know, giving that inside baseball, so to speak, look on his strategy of what it's like playing the, the, the bear trap. I like it when you get those guys who are just honest and they're just telling you the exactly what's going on, even if it's good or bad or whatever. And Billy Horschel is one of those guys you never really have to worry too much about doing that. He's he's very straightforward, and, and I like him more just for that very reason. Yeah, and something where John Rahm was on a podcast about a month ago, and he was asked, who is the, the player who you know, cheers you on the most if you're playing with or, you know, says good shot or 
you know, what a putt, that sort of thing. And apparently Billy Horschel is that guy. So Billy Horschel, you know, a strong personality on the PGA Tour. Good for him for, for being mic'd up and, and being that honest with the broadcast crew during Friday's second round. Okay, my weird this week. A couple of years ago, we spent a lot of time. You wrote an essay on this. There was a match on this on Brooks versus Bryson. And this was just dominating. There was so much drama in the world of golf. Oh, my God, these guys really don't like each other. Oh, like, what are they going to fight on the golf course? We saw these snarky looks back and forth. It was every every week it was Brooks and Bryson. What's going to happen next? Well, now they're both on live. Now they're not playing a lot of great golf, especially as of late. Bryson's an equipment-free agent. Brooks Kepka's A game has not been seen for a a very long time now, and many wonder, hmm, now that they're both at live, what is their relationship like? Well, Brooks Kepka gave his remarks, his opinion on what their relationship is like now, and I believe we have that audio of Kepka talking about that. Let's hear Brooks Kepka on what his relationship is like with Bryson DeChambeau right now. Believe it or not, we squashed it. We're good. Um, I actually talk to him quite frequently uh, because of what's going on here at Live, uh, pretty much on a every other day basis. So we've got a good open line of communication. We figured it all out, and uh, and we're good. Wow, they're good, and all is well in the world now that Bryson and Brooks are good. Bob, I wonder, was there any? ever any animosity between these two i mean i don't know it just seemed kind of fake back then what do you think yeah i think there was i i'm less inclined to believe what brooks just said than what we saw a year ago um i don't know if they really are best buddies or anything i don't think he really indicated that but to be talking every other day maybe it's just because they cross each other's paths in the locker room a little more frequently don't forget everybody's got the same tea time so you run into on that tour. So you run into people probably a little bit more than you would. And you see people a little bit more on the range and on the putting green. So I don't know. I'm not sure I quite buy into that they're um, kumbaya together again, holding hands and skipping down the first fairway. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to having that same conversation on TV this week. Uh, the skipping hands down the fairway. That's, uh, that's quite something. Okay, anyway, my what this week. I mentioned off the, the top of hour two about uh, all of the uh, the shirt off shenanigans with guys hitting it out of the water at the Honda Classic. So I'll give you a new what this week, and that what is Thomas Peters, who is one of the new players who has gone over to the Live Golf Tour. And he arrived in Mayakoba to some news that uh, he no longer had the agent that he had for quite some time. That, that was Mark Steinberg. And the way it, it appeared to be, Bob, is that it was one of Steinberg's handlers or assistants or someone. It wasn't from Steinberg itself. And he said, uh, we're no longer working together. So if I read the right thing too, Bob, it sounds like uh, Steinberg doesn't have any clients who have gone over to live. Is that correct? That's correct. None of his clients are, are live players. And I don't know if that's an edict from his number one client, from Tiger Woods, or, uh, or what it is. Or maybe they just didn't decide, all those players just decided not to go. But, you know, he's got Gary Woodland. He's got Matt Kuchar. I'm trying to think of the rest, others off the top of my head. But in any case, they're not going. And, and um, you know, the, the part where it says it wasn't, it wasn't Mark Steinberg who actually gave him the news. It was another person. 
that's not really totally uncommon. Like you can have an agency where there are three or four uh, people who do the the day-to-day work with different clients. So it might be Mark Steinberg. He might have two or three people under him, and maybe this one guy under him is assigned to to um, Thomas Peters. But we'll never really know probably the true story. But I, yeah, I don't think I don't think Steiny's a big uh, a big live guy. No, I can definitely agree with that. Uh, another another wild story. Uh, in terms of live golf and Thomas Peters going over and who knows what the Ryder cup situation is going to be like Peters and Rory McIlroy partnered together back in 2016. They partnered together very well. One of the brief uh, bright spots on that 2016 European Ryder cup team, but uh, Thomas Peters gone over to live and now is looking for a new agent. Okay. On the other side, we're going to see if I can figure out this uh, technical glitch we're going through here and uh, wrap up today's show. This is golf talk. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney asset management was brought to you by Cadillac Cadillac experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last serving as the foundation for the Tour 360 Fit, while the Spike More Traction System will help golfers stay locked in. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Wrapping up GTC, Scully and Weeks here. Let's do some leaderboard updates. Leaderboard updates brought to you by Bushnell Golf, the number one range finder in the world of golf. Visit bushnellgolf.com for much more. Chris Kirk gets it done. His first victory in nearly 3,000 days on the PGA Tour beating Eric Cole in a playoff. Kirk with rounds of 69, 62, 66, 69 for the victory on the DP World Tour. Marcel Seem gets it done in India. A one-shot victory over Yannick Paul. Yost Lauten, two shots off the lead. Haven't heard that name in a while. Yost Lauten, a third-place finish on the DP World Tour and at Honda LPGA Thailand, Lilia Vu with a one-shot victory, 22 under par wins on the LPGA Tour. Brooke Henderson, your top Canadian, T44 using different clubs because her clubs didn't quite make it, at least for the first round, 69-70, 3. Well, Bob will be back Wednesday, 10 a.m., TSN 1050, and Wednesday, 1 p.m. on TSN Television. And on Wednesday as well, you're doing a, a neat little feature that will be airing around Masters time about a company called Data Golf, which many have are probably aware of if you're on Twitter and see many of the uh, many different uh, companies and such tweeting out using some other stats. Tell us a little bit about what we can expect when this does eventually air. Yeah, we're going to go and visit their offices and have a little look see and talk to them about how they started it up. It's really a, an interesting story. Two guys, uh, Canadian guys, who had sort of analytical backgrounds in their degrees, and they decided they would try and figure out a better way to sort through the statistics and the information that comes about through the PGA Tour, and they've put it uh, into a really neat website. If you haven't been on it, you can you get limited views 
for free. And then if you want to take a deeper dive, you would pay a monthly fee. And it's not, it's become super popular with all sorts of people, including a lot of PGA tour players who look at it and use it to, to figure out exactly what they need to be working on for their games. What's the strong point? What's the weaker point? So it's a really cool story. We're going to have a feature on it during our master's broadcasts in uh, what just about a month right now, right? Isn't it? Boy, it's creeping up. I just sort of realized that we're, we're, we're getting pretty quick. It's March this week. That's right. Yeah, there's it's uh, it's exciting, and I'm looking forward to hearing and seeing all about this. I've been on Data Golf a few times, and there's so many stats, and it's cool to see the PGA Tour players as well using this as a resource to say, you know what, I'm whatever, and strokes gained off the tee. This is where I need to improve, and go on from there uh, from an analytics perspective. So, looking forward to uh, that feature uh, for us here on Golf Talk Canada. We are very busy, like I mentioned, 10 a.m. Wednesday. We are back here on TSN 1050 and our weekly television show is back. Last week we aired our tailor-made product special. And this week, the whole gang is here. Bob, Mark, myself, we'll all be previewing the Arnold Palmer Invitational. We'll also hear from Kevin Blue from Golf Canada. And I had a chance to catch up with Kevin Recently, we're going to air that interview both on television and on radio about uh, the overall depth of Canadian golf, the RBC Canadian Open, the CP Women's Open, two great events. And, uh, you know, Bob, we were there last year at the RBC Canadian Open at St. George's. What, what are some of Golf Canada's strategies going forward here to try to emulate the same sort of atmosphere that we saw last year at St. G's? We'll discuss that much more with Kevin Blue. That's, uh, that's coming up on uh, on wednesday too now bob i'm shortly off to the swing lab performance and therapy center where we had we did a couple of interviews at segments there last year talking about how you can get your body moving in the right way so i have to give a shout out here to program director jeff mcdonald who uh, recommended this for me i know mark has been there too bob i really think that you would enjoy this experience of golf physio because you know, as you know, you don't have to deadlift 500 pounds to hit a golf ball a long way. It's all about movements and strategy and yoga. And I know you're a big yogi as well, too, are you not? I'm a big guy with stretching, a big guy with yoga. I use that a lot. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a fascinating thing. I think it's very interesting to know that, you know, when Mike Weir was sort of at his prime about 20 years ago now, they had a fit, they just started with a fitness trailer on the PGA Tour. And he said, You'd go in there, there would be Tiger in there and maybe one or two other guys. Now they have two separate fitness trailers that go out every week on the PGA Tour because everybody knows that you got to keep your body healthy, you got to keep it limber, you got to keep it stretched out if you're going to be able to play well. Totally, and this will be a feature that we are going to air on an upcoming uh, TV show right here on GTC. Well, coming up next on TSN 1050, Leafs lunch after the Maple Leafs won 5-1 against the Seattle Kraken. The new look Maple Leafs, will they receive some more new bodies with the Trade Center? Uh, trade deadline coming up later this week. Trade Center, of course, all day on TSN, TSN 1050 on Friday. That's coming up next, but for us on GTC, we'll be back Wednesday, 10 a.m. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you back here Wednesday for our doubleheader starting Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. TSN 1050. Thanks for joining us. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the Tour 360 fit, while the Spike More Traction System will help golfers stay locked in.
Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.